Would you give Tony Suarez and Gina Suarez an inspired church welcome? Come on. Come on. You can do better than that. Amen. Bless you, Tony. For all that God's done over the last five weeks, would you give God praise in this house? For every healing, for every miracle, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for every water baptism, financial breakthrough, let's give God praise right now and show Him that we're not spoiled, we're grateful children. We didn't just come to take, but we come to give thanks because God is good. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Hallelujah. We called every preacher, every pastor in every church we were supposed to be with till October and said, really sorry, never done this before, but we're canceling everything to be at Inspired Church, to be at Inspired Church, whether we're preaching or not, because there's something, there's something special happening at Inspired Church, and when the river of the Spirit moves, I get in the river, I just want to be a part of it, and the Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago, and I told Bishop, the Lord spoke to me, because he'll check you, you know he'll check you, and he said, Tony Suarez, this has nothing to do with you. He said, I'm allowing you to be a part of it. I'm allowing you to be there. But the moment you think it's you, I'll send you somewhere else and I'll bring someone. Because it has nothing to do with an individual. It has to do with me. And if you'll operate in that flow and you'll say, God, this, this isn't about me. This isn't about my money or the offering I gave or, or, or who I think I am or the, or the pedigree I think I have in Pentecost. This is all about your presence. If you'll do that and you'll let God be the God of this house, anything is possible today. Anything is possible in this service today. Hallelujah. I feel his presence here. As you remain standing for just a moment, and then we're going to pray and get into the word, I give honor to Bishop and to the First Lady and to my friend, Pastor Ontario Green, who I was so glad to see today. This is a wonderful, incredible man of God. You don't, so you don't know who's in your, in your midst. I mean, this is a wonderful, great man of God who's planting an incredible church in the middle. We're having revival in the middle of a alleged pandemic. My man is planting a church in the middle of an alleged pandemic. Hasn't been able to have an in-person service yet, but he grew a church online and he's got people from all around connecting to an online. I mean, you can't stop the church of the living God. We'll grow on computer, radio, television, in person, in a parking lot, under a tent. And you know, you can't stop the church of a living God. And I give honor to him, to my friend. Minister Justin Howard that's here as well. God bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone that's here, my wife is here. More importantly than anything else, Jesus is in this house. And because he's here, anything is possible. I've been itching all week to get to the 11 o'clock service to see what God is about to do. I feel fire all over me right now. I'm itching and twitching up here trying to contain myself to give you the word of what thus saith the Lord. 
But at any moment, this fire is going to hit you. And you have permission to shout. You have permission to dance. You got permission to... You got permission to get lost in the Holy Ghost. Because the fire of God is in this place right now. That whole front row is interceding for nations right now. You don't even know who you're praying for right now. You don't know what missiles are being stopped right now. You don't know what war is about to be silenced right now because of the intercession that's coming. There is a move of God coming out of this church. pause I just don't feel released to preach yet so I'm letting God be God right now in this house what's significant about what God's doing at Inspire is that you know in the spirit-filled charismatic word of faith movement we have been accused by some of manipulating the move of God coercing the move of God as if we do it but with all of the social distancing measures that are in place right now this is an undeniable move of god pastor ontario the holy ghost hit somebody over there last a few weeks ago and it went flying over the pews you couldn't accuse the preacher of pushing them you couldn't accuse anybody of doing it was just the move of god Whew, sent him a, this is a genuine move of god where we're not having to lay hands because the father is laying hands on his people hallelujah hallelujah and i am so hungry I'm so hungry for more. I'm so hungry for more. For more. Father, speak to your people today. Open our ears to hear. Our hearts to receive. Our minds to discern what thus saith the word of the Lord. I am completely... I'm completely surrendered to you. Have your way and speak through me. Your name be glorified. And may your word be confirmed with signs, miracles, and wonders. When we leave this place, we'll say, surely we have been in the presence of Almighty God. And I ask it in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Give him praise one more time. 
You can be seated in the presence of God. I don't feel released to preach yet, so I'm just going to just wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. The message I'm going to preach to you today, I've now I just felt my direction, so that's why I started talking. I was at, I'm just going to tell you where it is, and we're all, we're all friends enough, I've been here enough for you to know that I, I'm, I'm all about revival. Gene and I were in Washington, D.C. on Thursday at a political event. And that's all I'll say about that. Except that we saw hate, violence, frustration in the streets of Washington, D.C. And what this world needs right now more than anything else, and this isn't a Christian church cliche, we don't need another political movement we don't need a third and fourth and fifth political party. We don't, need, we don't need more Republicans and Democrats. We need a move of God. We need a move of God. We need what's happening at Inspire Church to hit the streets of Washington, D.C. and Kenosha, Wisconsin and Chicago, Illinois. We need a move of God. We need God to heal the land and heal the people of the land. But this service today is to check the people of God so that we can bring the message of healing to the land. In 1885... A woman named Mariah, 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 Mariah Woodworth Eder began a, a revival in a city. And that revival was so great that the police reported that they no longer had anything left to do. There was no crime because revival had hit the streets of that city. Father, send that revival to Portland. Father, send that revival to Chicago. Father, send that revival to Houston. Let that revival stir up so great that protesters and police don't argue with each other, but protesters and police pray with one another. Father, send that kind of revival to our nation where we won't cuss at each other, but we'll speak in tongues with one another. We need that same kind of revival in our nation right now. Amy Simple McPherson drove her gospel car into Indianapolis where there was influenza all throughout the city. But the night that she drove her gospel car into Indianapolis, influenza lifted off of the city and the entire city was healed. Father, let the gift of healing come upon your people. That as we drive our cars in our cities, as we drive our cars interstate, may this pandemic, may this spirit of infirmity be driven off of the land, driven out of the people and back from whence it came 
the people of God. Let healing come now. In 1915 to 1920, Spokane, Washington, according to government statistics, was the healthiest city in the world. The mayor held a public commemoration for John G. Lake to honor his efforts to bring healing and wholeness to his city. And if you look at those dates, it was immediately following the pandemic of influenza of 1918 and 1919. I know that people are using this phrase called the new normal but I call upon the God of John G. Lake to do it in 2020, 2021 and 2022 may it be said this is the healthiest this is the holiest we have ever been as the spirit of infirmity leaves the land Evan Roberts in 1904 heard an evangelist by the name of Seth Joshua plead to God. Seth Joshua prayed, bend us, bend us. And Evan Roberts left that meeting and he started praying, bend me, bend me. Don't just change everyone else, but change me. And God started a work in Evan Roberts that led him to a revival in Wales where 100,000 people were led to God. The revival was was so great that it touched every aspect of their society including the animals I, 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 I know that just got weird somebody's like I was with you Suarez till you got into the animals the men in Wales were miners and they were profane men they would cuss at the mules and then the mules would function they didn't know what to do if the miners weren't cussing but when the move of God and revival hit Wales the men stopped cussing because they started speaking with the holy tongue and so they had to retrain the mules to understand what they were saying because when God changes you he really changes you I mean he'll change the way you talk he'll change the way you walk he'll change the way you act he'll take you from a cussing saint to a tongue talking saint we need that kind of revival right now we need it right now Smith Wigglesworth before he died told Lester Summerall he said I have seen great moves of God but I have not seen the final the greatest move of God but he said Lester your eyes will see it that means that Topeka Kansas was great but that was not it Azusa is where our roots come from but that was not it the voice of healing of the 10 crusades of the 50s and 60s were incredible moves of God but Smith Wigglesworth said that is uh, forgive me Lester Summerall said that is is not it. The charismatic renewal came. The Jesus movement came. And Lester said, that is not it. But before he died in 1996, Lester Summerall said, this, what's taking place in the land now, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, where God said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I wish there was time to remind you of the great move of God in Brownsville, Florida. In the 90s. 
I would encourage the newer members of Inspire to study your own history because on a Sunday just like this in the mid-90s, God visited this house with his glory and his power and the preacher couldn't preach and the musicians couldn't play and the singers couldn't sing just like in Solomon's temple. There was a revival in this house that lasted weeks and weeks and weeks and my purpose for reminding you of all of this things isn't just to take a stroll down memory lane but it's to remind you of your pedigree remind you of your DNA and to tell you that the God of Topeka of Azusa of the voice of healing is the God that is moving right now We don't have to just talk about what God did because we can talk about what God is doing. My purpose in reminiscing today is to stir up hunger, to stir up expectation, to remind you of what God is able to do so that you'll have faith right now for what God is doing. In the last 11 months, Gene and I have been traveling the world, traveling this country. God promised me at the end of last year, he said, I'm about to let your eyes see what you've always dreamed about and what you've always asked me for. He said, I'm going to let your eyes see the revival that you have wanted to see. In 11 months in the middle of a quasi-pandemic, we've seen over 6,000 people baptized in the Holy Ghost. We've seen over 10,000 notable signs, miracles, and wonders right here in Inspire Church in the last five and six weeks. We have seen dozens water baptized, dozens baptized in the Holy Ghost, signs, miracles, and wonders. But my purpose in saying it today is that there is something more in the spirit. There's something greater that God wants to do. He has shown us his glory but deep crieth unto deep and he's saying come into me more. Come into my presence more for I have more that I want to give you and I want the father to know that I stand with people today that don't just want your miracles they want you. They don't just want your presence. They want want your presence. They just don't want the benefits. They want to be visited by the king. I wish I knew enough Hebrew to be able to correctly pronounce the name of this month in the Hebrew calendar. But what it means to me, I didn't know this. Amanda Crabb showed this to me a few weeks ago. Showed Gene and I. This month on the Hebrew calendar is where it's historically known to be the month when the king would leave his royal chambers and he would find a tent and he would would set up a tent in the field so that he could be around his people. This is the month on the Jewish calendar when the king would leave leave his chambers and say I want to be amongst my people that's not coincidence that's prophetic because that's what God is doing right now God said I'm going to leave my throne and come and inhabit the praises of my people and whatever they ask of me whatever they seek of me I will do it I'm hungry I'm hungry for a move of God I hear the stories of missionaries in Africa. I hear the stories of what 3,000 and some Bible college graduates in Africa. I hear what other people tell me that God's doing in China, and it gets me hungry. Gives me a holy jealousy. Because I don't want to just hear about it. I want to see it. 
I don't want I don't want to just have to talk about what God's doing in Africa. I want Africa to talk about what God's doing in the United States. I have a friend who publishes a Bible called the Fire Bible. They distribute them in China and it has a flame on it. And so because the Bible's illegal, they just say, hey, you got that fire book? And people have been reading their fire book. They've been reading their fire Bible. And these same people have gotten on the radio and they've bought airtime. And they're telling people on the radio, they're saying, if you have believed that Jesus Christ is the son of God who, was, who, was, uh, who died and was buried for you, if you've believed on him as your Lord and Savior, find a pool, find a river, find an ocean, find a lake, walk into the water because it's illegal to baptize. Find a pool of water, walk into the water and say, I now am a servant of Jesus Christ. And they said they have testimony of tens of thousands of people. It's not my testimony. It's theirs. Tens of thousands of people that are walking in and they're auto-baptizing themselves for the remission of their sins. Bishop said it best. You can't quarantine Jesus of Nazareth. You can't quarantine a move of God. That's why this pandemic wasn't able to stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We grew on the internet. We grew on radio. We grew on television. And because God is our source, we didn't even have to pay for it. God said, I'll give you the gold and the silver. I'm hungry for a move of God. I'm an old soul. I'll be 40 years old in October. In my head, I'm like 82 and a half. I'm an old soul. I like to study revival. I like to study the moves of God. And I've asked God, I asked him, why didn't you let me be born in the voice of healing movements? With the ABCs of revival, the Allens, the Branhams, the Coles, the Oral Roberts. I, I could have done something in those tents, I said, Jesus. If I could have just been there, I'll even be so transparent to tell you that I prayed and said, Jesus, when we get to heaven, if there's time machines and I can go back, I'll go back to Voice of Healing. Say, so why didn't you let me be born then? And the Lord spoke. He said, because if you would have been born then, you'd be dead now. I said, what does that mean? He said, I needed a people that would carry that fire in this generation. I needed a people that would be so intoxicated with the spirit, so hungry for my presence, so hungry for sign. He said, I had the generals for that generation. I had the people that were assigned to that generation, but I needed a people that were alive right now that would carry the fire of the Holy Ghost and say, this is still real. I want to be like the church of the book of Acts that could be persecuted, that could be attacked, that could be imprisoned, but nothing stopped the preaching of the gospel. I want to be like the church of the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that would fight racial injustice, sickness, politics, but nothing, there was nothing that they weren't convinced that revival couldn't fix. They were convinced if we can just get people on their knees, if we can just get people praying, if we can just get people in an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, it will fix every problem this society knows. I remind you of something I said four weeks ago. In Azusa, nobody cared what color the preacher was. In Azusa, nobody cared who they were sitting by because they were intoxicated with the glory from on high. And a blind black preacher was preaching to white people and black people and Hispanic people and Asian people. And it wasn't until they let denominational politics get in the way 
that the glory cloud was lifted. But as long as they kept their eyes on Jesus, nobody cared who they were sitting by. They cared who they were sitting under. What this world needs right now is a move of the Holy Ghost. More prayer, less politics. I stand in the office of an evangelist today, but let me get it off my chest for a minute. Be careful what you post on social media because your neighbors, your friends, your old boo from high school that you haven't talked to or shouldn't have talked to in the last 25 years, they're reading what you're writing. And if, if, if they find a cantankerous, fighting spirit, that's all they'll know. But if they find the peace that passes all understanding, if they find joy unspeakable and full of glory, if they find a witness of the Holy Ghost, they might be prone to reaching out and saying, I don't know what you have, but I want what you've got. We need more prayer, less politics. More revival, less radicalism. More of the lion and less of the elephant. More of the lamb and less of the donkey. More of the dove and less of the serpent called Satan. We need revival. I know that sounds old-fashioned, but it's what we need. We need revival. Pentecostal revival is not old-fashioned. It isn't antiquated. It's what we need right now. And like the old song says, it's real. It's real. I know it's real. I would not be preaching this to you today if I didn't know the fire that's burning on the inside. I know too much to shut up now. What we need is the Holy Ghost and fire. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost empowers the fire purifies John said the one that cometh after me he'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire because he's not just trying to set his church full of zeal and emotion but he's trying to purify a people to purify a land we are in the middle of a visitation of God right now and I do not believe that this is the end. I don't believe that it's time to have the church garage sale and sell all the hymnals and sell all them and just go live in a forest till Jesus comes. I don't believe that's where we're at. But I do believe it is the beginning. It is the beginning of things. But God has spoken. I'm listening to the generals of the church. I'm listening to the apostles and the prophets. And there is a resounding word coming from the leaders of the Christian movement, from the spirit-filled movement, even from your bishop. The word is coming and the word is that this is not the end. This is the purification of the church of Jesus Christ. This is the separation of wheat from the tare, the holy from the unholy. God's getting his house right because soon and very soon, Jesus Christ is coming again. But he's not going to come for a sinful church. He's not going to come for a hypocritical church. He's not coming for a political church. He's not coming for a moral majority church. He's coming for a sanctified, blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled people of God that love and hunger after righteousness Jesus is coming again and he says to his church today get right, get clean and prepare ye the way of the Lord 
there's an old, old preacher I met a long time ago named Johnny James. He's like a walking Bible. He's got the whole thing memorized, I think, including the concordance and the maps. And Johnny James, I was at a particular conference where he was speaking. And he said, I've been to a lot of places where people leave and they say, wow, what a preacher. He said, I don't want you to come here and say, wow, what a preacher. I want you to leave here and say, wow, what a God. That's how you can tell the difference between a genuine move of God and something that's orchestrated. Because when it's orchestrated, you'll focus on the personalities. You'll focus on the group. You'll focus on the brand. But when it's a genuine move of God, you'll recognize it has nothing to do with you. You'll feel inadequate. You'll feel smaller than what you actually are. Because when God moves, it's just like the psalmist said, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together hunger for the things of God hunger for a move of God will provoke a revival of repentance hunger will will provoke prayer prayer will provoke consecration consecration will provoke repentance You'll stop thinking that you did it. And you'll recognize it's all about him. Weeks ago, I told you at the beginning, God spoke to me. He said, this has nothing to do with you. If you think this is you, I'll take you out and bring someone else in. I'm letting you be a participant in what I'm doing. I want you to think about Samson for a moment. I'm not trying to beat up on my guy. Don't beat up on Samson. A lot of people say Samson. They say, Samson. What could have been? My man made Hebrews 11. My man made it in the hall of faith. With the Abrahams and the Moseses and the Gideons and the Baraks and everyone else. I know you like to criticize them. But Hebrews 11's got Samson's name in it. Because the Bible says that in his death he killed more Philistines than in his life. Proving that when God speaks something over you, you won't see the grave till the word of God is fulfilled over your life. So leave my man alone. But when Delilah was trying to persuade him, she said, boo, where's your power come from? He said, bae, if you cut my hair. Now I want you to think for a moment. What would have happened if Samson would have changed his answer? This isn't theology, this is just my opinion. Because he said, if you cut my hair, I'll lose my power. That's not true. The angel never said that to his mother. The angel gave him a whole list of stuff that Samson wasn't supposed to do. And he broke every rule of the covenant. And the power never departed. Until Samson said, if you cut my hair. Once he put his dependence on what he does, the hand of God lifted off of Samson. What if Samson would have said, Delilah, my power comes from God. 
What does she do at that point? How did the Philistines attack at that point? But Samson had put more faith in what he was doing than what God had already spoken. And I want God to know today, there's a bunch of Samsons in this room that you have graced us with your anointing. You've graced us with your power, but we are cognizant of the fact it's not our hair. It's not what we do. It's not where we come from. It's all because of you. We hunger for you because you are the source of every good and perfect thing. So I said all of that to get to this point today. It's time to get our houses in order. Because I don't want to be guilty of a move of God sweeping through and I just take a photo and get my selfie with revival. Us short people, we got to take the selfie from up here. And say, that was that. I don't want to toy with revival. I want to be consumed by revival. A revival that doesn't just change me, but it changes my home. Changes my children. Changes my grandchildren. A revival so great that it draws me back to my knees. And draws me back to repentance. Draws me back to holiness. Draws me back to consecration. God is separating the wheat from the tare. And I've heard the Spirit say for a week and a half, Repent and get right. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. You know, the the elders, our grandparents and great-grandparents in Pentecost, in the charismatic world and the word of faith, they did some crazy stuff for God. That doesn't make sense always to you and I. But they were driven by consecration. They were driven out of a hunger to get close to God. And they did some stuff that I'm not advocating and saying that you got to do today. But they would do, they'd lay stuff down real easy. Nope, I don't want this because I want more of you. Nope, I don't need this because I want more of you. Nope, I won't go here because I want more. Now, I'm not saying you got to do it the way they did. I'm not telling you you got to do everything the way your grandparents did it. But if you're going to copy one thing, copy their consecration. Copy that spirit. Get it inside of you where you start praying and you say, God, if there be anything in me, if there be anything in me that's displeasing to you, God, wash me, break me, change me, because I want you. I don't want to just be associated with your presence. I want to know it. I, God, if there's anything you got to take out of my life, if there's anything I need to lay down, there's nothing too great. There's not an Isaac that I won't put on the altar if it brings pleasure to you my king I want your presence so whatever it takes I'm not going to miss seeing my lord I don't know I'm not a student of end time prophecy be honest it's not my lane I'm not a student of eschatology enough to where I could feel like I have the authority to speak on the subject. I don't know when he's coming, but I know Jesus is coming again. It's called the blessed hope. It consumed the church in the 70s and the 80s. All our songs were about the coming of the Lord. Our preaching was about the coming of the Lord. We used to scare people into the kingdom. I used to walk to school scared I was going to miss the rapture. I watched Left Behind and I watched Thief in the Night and I was scared of the guillotine. 
My mom used to make us pray before we'd go to school. Didn't matter if we were late to school, we couldn't leave till we prayed. And we'd have to quote scripture, still in my head. She was worried about my salvation. She poked me in the chest, I told you before. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. For any man when he is tempted is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved son. And I'm walking to school, Jesus, Jesus, don't let me err. Don't let me err, I don't want to go to hell. Couldn't sleep at night because I thought I was going to miss the rapture. This is a long time before Sister Gina came in my life. I'm talking about as a teenager, the 90s were rough for me. Little lady would walk by and I'd be like, hey. And I'm like, no, Jesus, I don't want to miss the rapture. Jesus, praise the Lord. We scared people into the kingdom. For you to understand my passion, my shouting, my screaming. For you to understand the way I am, you'd have to understand where I come from. 1952, the gospel comes to my family in Colombia, supernaturally. They were consumed. They tried to kill my grandfather, kill my grandmother, kill my dad, kill my uncles and aunts. They poisoned the water wells. They put bombs in the churches. They threw rocks at my dad. Their sin is that they preached the gospel. And they were, they were zealous people. My grandfather passed away 20 years ago. When I'd go visit Columbia, my grandfather, and he was being part funny, but part real. When we'd stand on street corners, he'd always be like this. I'd be like, Grandpa, what are you doing? He's like, they think I got a gun. <laughs> he'd just walk around like that the whole day. They think I got a gun. And so he'd ask people for rides. Now, I know this sounds antiquated, but I saw it with my eyes. He jumped on the back of, of it, like stagecoaches. You know, it's third world country, but it looked like a stagecoach. It, it was drawn by horses or mules, and he'd jump on the back because the farmers, the ranchers would be on there. Can I get a ride with you? They'd say yes. And, you know, when they saw the gun, they're like, oh, sure. What do you want to, you know, can we get you anything else? And he'd jump on there, and then when he, once he'd get on the cart with them, he'd start talking to them about Jesus. He'd start preaching Jesus. He'd find a river, and he'd baptize them. He'd pray them through to the Holy Ghost. That's my, that's my DNA. My grandmother, my grandmother passed away last week. She's 93. She was 93 years old. She's a great woman of God. The last two years of her life, they said she had dementia. We're not sure if that's really true. We don't know if she's playing a joke on us. Colombians are practical jokers. We, we really don't know because she'd act like she didn't know who you were. I went to visit her a year and a half ago and I said, grandma, do you remember me? She goes, maybe. <laughs> my uncle that was her caretaker for the last 10 years said when the doctors and nurses would come to care for her and they'd show up at the house when they would walk in her room a few times she said stop right there I bind the spirit that's on you right now in the name of Jesus and commanded to come off of you because that spirit's not coming on me she'd say okay now come and do what you gotta do my grandma 93, but when she was 40 and 50, would drag her leg and hold her back. I saw her do it. 
She would walk and act like she was a little old lady getting on the buses in Columbia. And she'd put her little token in the box and she'd wait. She told me I had a strategy. I'd wait till they closed the door and they started driving because then they couldn't stop me. And she said, once the bus started driving, she said, I'd turn around and say, repent, you generation of vipers for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I'm not saying we got to do it this way anymore, Pastor Andrew. But she'd walk up to people, get that cigarette out of your mouth or you're going to hell. Throw out that bottle or you're going to hell. You can't do that now. You'd get, you'd get a lawsuit. So I won't say it like my grandma did. But get that cigarette out of your mouth in Jesus' name. Get that bottle out of your mouth in Jesus' name. There's a, there's a highway called holiness. And if you'll walk it, it'll take you to heaven. My grandma said that the bus driver would say, you can't do that. She'd say, let me finish the sermon and I'll sit down. And they thought she was crazy. They're like, okay, lady. And she'd walk up and down the aisle preaching and praying for people, leading them to Christ, giving them tracts about where to go to church. That's my DNA. That's what God put the Suarez family on under the anointing that was on John the Baptist to say, prepare ye the way of the Lord. There's a voice crying in the wilderness. There's a voice crying in this pandemic right now. Prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. That's why he's visiting his church right now. He's come to cleanse his church, purify his church because he's coming again and he's not coming for a defeated church. He's coming for a victorious church. He's not coming for a dirty church he's coming for a clean church and the Lord says repent stand with me in this house I think there's more coming. I think there's more of his presence coming. I read a story. And you can see it out there. I read a story of a pulpit that split one Sunday. When the glory of God hit a sanctuary. I read of a revival that started in Brownsville on a holiday. Any pastor will tell you, it's hard to have church on a holiday. But revival hit Brownsville on a Father's Day 25 years ago. I heard of a revival in a little farmhouse in Los Angeles on Azusa Street that didn't make sense to the world, but God visited that place. I heard of an upper room in Jerusalem for 500 went, but 120 tarried, waiting on a promise that they didn't even know what it looked like, felt like, smelled like. But suddenly, there came from heaven the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost. Father, visit us like you visited your people in the days of old. Not with an old touch, but with the former and the latter rain together. He says, I'll do it. But just check yourself. Purify yourself. 
Don't bring shame to my name, says the Spirit of God. Don't do something that would bring shame to my church, says the Spirit of God. Purify and repent. Repentance used to be a very condemning thing for in a lot of places, not here. But you'd hear about repentance and it would just feel like, so harsh. This isn't harsh. This is in the spirit of love that the father comes and says, son, daughter, just get it right. Just clean it up. Just get it right. Just, just get rid of that stuff that you know doesn't please me. Just, just stop doing those things that you know that aren't of me. Find me in prayer again. Find me in fasting again. Find me in consecration again. Because I'm about to blow your mind. I'm about to fulfill your wildest dreams. I was talking about this last week. And I started thinking about my wife. She doesn't like when I talk like this. But we have, and not because of me, or our 52 children... We have a very clean house. Like, Miss Gina keeps a house. I mean, like, she should get some silos and set up a website. I mean, like, she's, she keeps a house. Our house isn't... I've never lived in a house like the house that Gina lets me live in. You hear my verbiage? She lets me live there. If you did the white glove test, you don't find anything. It's clean. I don't know why we pay house cleaners, but we do. But one thing I've noticed about my wife is that when the house cleaners come, she cleans the house before the house cleaners come. I've always thought, like, why do we pay them? And so, you know, the house cleaners, it's my people, la raza. Viva la raza. The house cleaners say to me in my language, they're like, pastor. Yo no sé por qué ustedes nos pagan a limpiar la casa Porque cuando nosotros llegamos la casa está bien limpiecita, pastor De vez en cuando es, con, es que cuando vemos a la señora Gina pasar por ahí Es que empezamos a caer Pero no es porque está sucia pero Porque tu esposa nos paga The interpretation of those tongues The house cleaner says Pastor, I don't know why you pay us to clean the house the house is clean when we get here. They said sometimes when Miss Gina walks by, we're all like, hey, you know, just so she thinks we're here. But it's already clean. Now, any good preacher can get a sermon out of any little story. I got a repentance sermon out of that. Because if you think your house is clean and you say there's no sin in my heart, there's nothing in me that needs to be changed, repent today and clean the clean house, clean the clean heart, and say, just in case, Father, renew in me a spirit of righteousness. Father, if there be anything, remove it. going to sing it because I blew it in the first service but the old the old church when they would repent they'd like really repent they'd lay it all on the altar they'd lay down I heard a testimony this morning of somebody that laid down a guitar and said it takes away my time from God not because the Bible says give up your guitars but because consecration said more of you 
I used to play the piano competitively. State Olympics, competitions, won trophies. Not participation ribbons. I won some trophies. But I could never play in church. Never could learn how to play church music. But a man of God had prayed over me when I was five years old. And he said, Tony, if you'll give your talent to God, I'm going to pray that God will anoint your hands for the presence of God. He said, but you can't use it to make money. You can't use it for your self gain. You got to use it for the glory of God. And I played competitively and I won all kinds of trophies, did all kinds of stuff, but I couldn't play in church. And my mother reminded me, she said, you made a commitment to a preacher and to a God. And I stopped competing. And all of a sudden I could play in church. That's not, that's not theology. That's not a, I'm not telling you, you have to do it. I'm just telling you there was something that I had, but I said, you're more than this. Abraham had a son. He actually had two to start with. And the angel said, the one that you love, because you got another one that you manufactured. But the one of the promise, the one that you love, give him back to me. And Abraham didn't flinch. He said, you are more to me. The old church would say, whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord. That's what I'll be willing to do. Take my houses and land. Take my dreams and my plan. I'm laying them all in your hands. Because whatever it takes to draw closer to you, that's what I'll be willing to do. Take the dearest thing from me. If that's how it must be. I heard the story of a missionary in Colombia named Larson. Who went in the early 20th century to Colombia. And his wife passed away. And his denomination said, come home. You paid too much of a price. He said, no, I can't leave. Colombia needs to be saved. If Brother Larson doesn't lay it all down on the line. I might not be preaching here today, but a man was so consecrated to God. He said, whatever it takes. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you not as an angry evangelist, but as a hungry evangelist. If there be anything amongst you that would hinder the move of God, I I encourage you today, lay it at the feet of Jesus. If there be anything in our lives that would stop what God is trying to do, repent and make it right. Jesus is coming again. I don't know when it will be, but ladies and gentlemen, I know know that soon and very soon, the trumpet is going to sound. In fact, if you want my opinion, Bishop, I think Gabriel has put the trumpet to his lips. As they look over the balcony of heaven, I think the angels have looked and they've seen the calamity, the despair, and they think, surely now is the time. For you musicians, I bet Gabriel's already emptied the spit valve and gotten ready for the second window. And I believe the mercy hand of the Lamb of God has cupped the bell of the trumpet and said, not yet. Not yet. Because it's not my desire that any should perish, but that everyone would walk in everlasting life. 
for I didn't send my son to condemn the world, but to save the world. The mercy hand of the Lamb of God cups the bell of that trumpet. But ladies and gentlemen, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want my children to miss it. You know what scares me, Pastor Antonio? Pastor Antonio, you know what like keeps me up at night? Makes me feel like I'm like an old-fashioned antique Pentecostal preacher. You know what bothers me? That my kids might not know the move of God like I know it. That my kids might not know the altar the way I knew it. That they might not know holiness and consecration. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about a true pursuit of God. They might not know it like I knew it. And the Bible says, what does it profit a man to win the world and lose his own soul? And that includes your house. I want my kids to be set on fire. I'm bringing my kids to this revival because I want my kids to be touched by the power of God. I want my kids to speak with other tongues. I want my kids to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I will not let Pentecost die with me. It's promised to my children and my children's children and yea, even those that are far off. I know we're not having altar calls right now, but this entire sanctuary is the altar of God. And when you come to the altar of God, you got to put something on the altar. You got to put an offering on the altar, a sacrifice on the altar. You got to lay something on the altar for the altar to work. And I don't know what you got in your life that you need to lay on the altar today. But the spirit of convictions all over this house. And in a moment, I'm going to make this altar call. Normally, I'd count to three and I'd bring you running to the altar. But today, when I count to three, if you have something you need to lay on the altar, when I count to three, I want you to throw your left hand in the air. God consumes the sacrifice that you lay. You want more of God? Don't leave, an, don't leave the altar empty. If you got something to lay on the altar today, at the count of three, put your hands in the air. One, two, three. There it is. Draw me close to you. Never let
Lord Jesus, examine our hearts today. We need more of you. We've hidden your word in our hearts. And I ask you today to forgive us for private sin and also for public sin. God, forgive us for the times that we've walked hypocritically even in your presence. But thank you for mercy and grace. I confess today that I'm a sinner in need of a saving God. Wash me. Cleanse me. Purify me. God, start this in me. I'm not praying for anyone else. I'm not praying for any, I'm not praying for my enemies. I'm praying for me. Because if you'll change me, I'll see things differently. I'll walk things, I'll walk differently. Oh God, renew in me a clean heart. If there's someone here today and you say, I don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but I want him to be the Lord of my life. Say, Tony, I I prayed a prayer a long time ago, but I'm not where I need to be with God. At the count of three, would you put your hand in the air? One, two, three, keep it up. You can either repeat my words or you can pray in your own prayer. Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I confess that you're Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins. Wash me in your blood. I declare Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, the Lord of my heart. And from this day forward, I'll walk with Jesus. I'll walk with Jesus until I fly away to meet him in the air in Jesus' name. Somebody give God praise for those that have taken a step today.